I've always wondered what qualifies to be a gift. Now, I'm not a very good at selecting gifts for people. But if you think about it, what qualifies to be a gift, a gift can be anything. Isn't that right? When me and Betty got married and we were going through our wedding gifts, we had so many gifts. And when we were going through those wedding gifts, I was really disappointed because the gifts were not really what I expected them to be. I was hoping more in terms of the gifts to be functional, in terms of the gifts to be useful in some sense, uh, because I'm more of a functional guy, not a memento or a photo frame guy, right? But most of the gifts that we had, we received at our wedding were photo frames, were mementos. Like I, I remember I would pick up some of the memento and I would tell, I would ask Betty, what does this even mean? What does this look like, right? We, we were having such a fun time when we were going through those wedding gifts. But nevertheless, I want to tell you that no matter what the gift is, no matter if they are functional or not, useful or not, every gift holds a meaning. Every gift has a value. It either brings a memory of the person who gave to you or it either brings it, it gives you the memory of that particular event. So for us, it was a wonderful reminder of our birth, uh, of our wedding. I was saying birthday. It was, it was a wonderful reminder of our wedding. The thing is, most of the people whom we got gifts from, we didn't know them because, you know, most of them were my dad's friends and his colleagues. But still those gifts, they held meaning to us because of the event on which we received those gifts. So gifts come in all shapes and sizes. Anything can be a gift. The gifts come in all shapes and sizes. Anything can be a gift. And not every gift has to be expensive. But every gift, if you think about it, they hold some sort of value and some sort of meaning. Now, why do they hold value? Or why do they hold meaning? It is because on the time, energy, thought or money that we have put into when buying the gift. See, even though the gift is not expensive, you put thought into it. You put time into it. You put your energy into it. You put you know, also your money into it. So that adds value to what you buy. So this value that we spend toward the gift in terms of thought, in terms of time, in terms of energy, in terms of money shows how much we love that person. So gifts are an expression of one's love. Ideally, gifts should be an expression of one's love. It should not be given out of obligation. It should be an expression of one's love. That's why you will always find that there's a deep connection between love and giving. Right? There's, there's always a deep connection between love and giving because one cannot love without giving. You cannot say that I love this person, but I'm not willing to give them anything. That's not possible. When you love, you give. We give gifts to people whom we love. And that's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. God loved us. He loved us so much that he gave. Isn't that beautiful? So today, 
the title of the sermon is receiving in love but i am going to talk more about giving more about god's way of giving because giving is deeply connected to love god's giving the way he expresses his love is deeply connected to his nature that is love for god so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son i want you to take a moment just to just to think about that that he loved us so much that he gave us his only begotten son he could have given us an angel or he could have sent an angelic being saying hey go go and save human guy he did not do that he gave us the very best he gave us his only begotten son right if you have your bible turn with me to matthew chapter 13 this is a parable parable of the kingdom of god matthew chapter 13 was 44 to 46 so matthew chapter 13 was 44 to 46 says like this the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it see this is these are two parables that jesus is talking about and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven the story in both is very common there's a person who finds something very precious and when he finds it he sells everything to buy that precious item now i used to interpret that scripture for a very long time thinking that i am that person i am that person who finds this kingdom of heaven somehow and when i find it it is so precious it is so valuable that i sell everything because it's worth buying the kingdom that is what i thought that the kingdom of heaven is like a precious treasure that one when finds it sells all that he has to buy that treasure so i used to think that we the church the body of christ is that man who has found the kingdom but tell me something when did we find the kingdom in the first place we haven't found anything in fact the gospel is not that we found god the gospel is about god finding us it was god who found us this is god's grace that we have received the kingdom freely we did not do anything we have received the kingdom so who paid the price for the kingdom we did not sell anything to experience the kingdom it was given to us freely god was the one who sold everything he had he gave up everything including jesus to purchase us so this man is not us this man is talking about god and his heart that he found the kingdom so precious and he wanted to buy the kingdom for himself he wanted to purchase us that's why he gave us his begotten son his most precious thing he sold because he found us valuable he found some meaning in us isn't that very contrary to what we believe about ourselves that we think we are worthless we think that there's no value in us but god sees value in you and me 
if he didn't see value in you and me why would he send jesus and why would jesus shed his blood on the cross see ephesians 1 verse 7 paul says like this in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins the word redemption over there is uh the word redemption over there is setting a slave free after purchasing the slave so in those times slaves could be bought and if you had to set a slave free you had to pay the equivalent amount to buy the slave and then set him free and that is what redemption is so god he bought us by the blood of jesus he bought us by the blood of jesus that's his gift to us in the person of jesus he has bought us that's his gift to us that by the blood of jesus he has paid the forgiveness of our sins now whatever value for which we buy that becomes a new value so imagine i have a phone and i have a phone which costs like 50000 rupees but if i sell it for 70000 rupees the value of the phone is no longer 50000 the value of the phone is 70000 that's how value works in the marketplace is that right now when god has bought you by the blood of jesus can you any longer be worthless can you any longer be somebody who has no value if today you and me still say that i am worthless i have no value in me there is nothing good in me you know what you are disregarding the blood of jesus if the blood of jesus is precious if the blood of jesus was precious to god and he gave it for you that is the value on your life your value means so much to him your life means so much to him he sees you with the value that you don't see in yourself he sees so much in you that's why he sent jesus he gave us jesus so it is god who is that man who sells everything to buy the kingdom of heaven so that the kingdom of heaven is received by us freely so that we can find the kingdom of god so that we are found in the kingdom that is the gospel think about this if god bought us by the blood of jesus do you think we can ever understand the love of god do you think we can ever comprehend how much we mean to him can we even understand the magnitude of thought and energy that god put in saving us in this whole plan of salvation paul says in ephesians 1 that this whole plan of salvation did not begin 2000 years ago it began before the foundations of the earth so can you even think the magnitude of thought that god put in this in saving us can we even begin to fully appreciate the vastness you know the the vastness of his grace the vastness of his mercy and kindness towards us even if we can't god expresses his love to us always in the person of jesus this person that he has blessed us is the gift that we need the only blessing that you and me ever need is jesus 
He is the gift of God to us. God gave us his only begotten son. And that's all we need, guys. That's all we need. So when I began, I said, I'm going to talk more about giving than love, even though the topic is love, because love is deeply connected to giving. If you and me can understand how God gives, we can understand better how much he loves us. Okay, so I'm going to give you five points of how God gives. Five points. So if you want to take your pen and paper, write, write them down. The first one is God gives willingly. That's his attitude. What's the first point? God gives willingly. What that means is that God has the freedom to choose. He has the freedom to choose and he chose us willingly. Paul says in Ephesians 1.4 that he chose us before the foundation of the, of the world. He chose us even before we were born. He chose us even before we knew our own names. God chose us. So he chose us. He has the freedom to choose. So when he gives, he gives willingly. God does not give out of compulsion. He does not give out of obligation. He makes a willful choice. When he makes a willful choice, that choice has a lot of intention. It has a lot of thought. It has a lot of energy that God has put in it. He is not like us. He does not give on impulses. He gives because he makes a willful choice. See, I, I want to share one of the misunderstood verses, which is in Malachi 1 verse 2, 2 3. Don't take it. Where it says something like this, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. This is God saying, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. It does not mean that God hates certain people and God only loves certain people. That is not the meaning of this. See, the word hated doesn't imply hate as we know it. This is a you know Hebrew figure of speech, which really means that you emphasize the love for the other so much that the love for the other in comparison to it looks like hatred. Does that make sense? God loved Jacob so much that in comparison to how much he loved Esau, it looked like hatred. I'll give you another example. In Luke 14, 26, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Now, did Jesus really want his disciples to hate their parents? Did Jesus really want his disciples to hate their loved ones? Of course not. He was, a, he was making a statement of emphasis. He was saying in comparison to loving God, in comparison to loving Jesus, our love for the loved ones should look almost like it's hatred. There's no comparison. We love Jesus so much that when you compare it with the love that we have for others, it's, it's, it can't be compared to. That is what God is saying, that Jacob I love, but Esau I hated, means that God loved Esau enough to bless him, but he did not choose him for the covenant he gave Israel. 
See, when God loves us, He loves us willingly. He loves us with a choice, and He loves us uniquely. So God has a freedom to choose. It's not like He had to do it. It's not like He passively had to do it. He He thought about it. Oh, you know what? I am love. I am the definition of love. So I have to love. No, God chose us willfully and actively. He loved us. He gives willingly. He makes a choice, and that choice has a lot of intention, thought, and energy. Now, the second point is, God gives from His substance. God gives from His substance. which means the quality of his giving is that god gives us from the very best he has that's why he gave us jesus jesus was the best that he had so he did not give us from the leftover if that was the case a couple of angels would have done the job or one angelic being or a heavenly being would have done the job but he sent his son who left his glory who stepped into our mess so that we could experience his glory think about that god gave from his substance god gave from his substance not his leftover he gave us his very substance he gave us jesus that's why romans 8:32 paul says like this he who did not spare his own son but gave him gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things isn't that amazing that god gives from his substance he gives from his very essence the most precious thing that he has he gives he does not give from the leftover you know i love this verse in ephesians 1:3 which says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in christ we are already blessed God has already given us everything that we need pertaining to godliness. We are already blessed, and how has He blessed us? He has blessed us in Jesus. Every blessing that we ever need is already packaged in the person of Jesus. Now think about this. Think about this. God did not withhold anything from us. He gave us His very best. So how does God give? What is the quality of God's giving? He gives us from His substance, not His leftover. You know, when you encounter a love such as that, where you know that the person who is giving whatever He is giving you, He is not giving out of the leftover. He is giving out of the substance. You also operate like that. You don't give from the leftover. You give from the substance. because that kind of love is so addictive it is so infectious that that can catch on to you god gives from his substance that's a quality now the third point is god gives lavishly god gives lavishly that's the quantity of his giving if the quality of his giving is god has given us from his substance the quantity of his giving is that god gives lavishly ephesians 3:20 says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think he gives above and beyond 
what we have asked for whatever you have thought whatever you have prayed for he gives you more than you have thought and you have imagined why because god gives lavishly if this is the level of blessing that you had in your mind god goes beyond that above that he supersedes your expectation he supersedes your imagination that's the quantity of his giving god gives lavishly fourth point god gives tirelessly he does not get tired he gives tirelessly what does that mean that when he gives it goes beyond a specific time period he gives beyond time his giving is not limited to a specific season he gives tirelessly he keeps investing he keeps giving he keeps giving even when he does not see the return of his investment he still keeps giving why because he believes in us he keeps giving because that's his nature he keeps giving because he is generous you know when i had the revelation of tithing i i i i would give for a time period and then get tired and say god this is not working even when i did that god was not faith god was not unfaithful when he gives he gives tirelessly without holding even for a moment he gives us tirelessly it's not for a specific season guys god's blessing is not for a specific season oh this is the year of blessing i understand all of that but god gives tirelessly he is not limited to a specific season he gives tirelessly because that's his nature if you read ephesians 2:7 it says that in the coming ages when in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus see if you think that cross is the symbol of god's love for the for those who are saved if if you think that cross is god's expression of his love then let me tell you that was just the beginning his expression doesn't end there he has seated you at the right hand of god so that in the coming ages so that centuries after centuries so that time after time he can show the immeasurable riches of his grace he in, he intends see look at his intention look at his thought here he intends to show more of his grace more of his kindness in the coming ages god has so much for you and he will keep blessing you in the person of jesus he will keep giving tirelessly without taking a break he does not get tired he does not get disappointed my final point god gives freely this is the point where we say hallelujah god gives freely it has no monetary cost see when god gives he does not demand anything in return when god gives there are no conditions applied you know when god gives there are no 
there is there is no demand from him we can simply receive what god gives because he gives freely you know the word of god says that god's gifts are irrevocable when he has given us something he will not take it back why because he gives us freely he does not put a demand on us when he gives us he gives us freely that's why we cannot earn what god gives we have to simply receive we have to simply be humble and just receive see the only people who have trouble in receiving a gift in receiving a compliment in receiving an appreciation are people who have pride in their heart but if you are humble you can simply receive we cannot earn what god gives we can only receive there are no conditions applied to his gifts his gifts comes with one bold label and that label says paid in full by the blood of jesus his gifts costs him it cost him it did not come for free for him but for us they are free they are paid in full by the blood of jesus see i'm just reminding you again and again that i think we have enough proof just to certify that god does love us he loves us immensely we are uniquely loved we are deeply loved but the question is do you know how much he loves us and i'm not talking about just that intellectual understanding oh god loves me so much you know he made the whole world you know just a mental agreement no i'm talking about do you know how much he loves us today is that knowledge your experiential reality is that knowledge that is driving your experiences today is that knowledge of god's love changing everything that you have in your reality see i guess it will take centuries after centuries to understand how much god loves us but that does not mean that we say oh you know just because i can't understand god's love i will not try to understand his love i think that's the journey that's the christian journey that wherever we are we are trying to contemplate the love of god because when we do that it changes our reality the problem is not that you don't know you don't know if god loves you or not you know god loves you but the question is do you know how much he loves you how much that if he if he had to send jesus again he would do that without missing a heartbeat because he loves us so deeply he put so much of thought he put so much of time so much of energies he's so mindful of us in thinking about how to save us in thinking about how to express his love towards us he sent jesus just to change your mind about him that he is no longer angry at you that he is not accusing you that he loves you that he is for you that he is with you that his heart is always beating for you that he cares for you that he wants to embrace you do you know how much he loves you today right now as an experience that's why i want to ask all of us can we intentionally make a choice just to know how much he loves us in everything that we do can we intentionally make a choice 
Because let me tell you, God is just warming up. In terms of expressing his love, he's just warming up. It's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that God has for us where he wants to express his love. But can we become a little more intentional? Can we, can we take time to understand his infinite love? Five minutes a day, the moment we wake up, just to recognize that I am loved by God. God thinks about me. You know, the word says that his mercies are new every morning. So even before you got up, God was thinking ways on how much, how he should express his love towards you, even before you got up. So can we take a moment to respond to his love? Because the only response that we can do is just acknowledge that he loves us. That's the best response that we can do. We can't give him anything. Our money, our substance does not mean anything. But the best thing that we can do in return is just acknowledge. Just appreciate. Just be grateful. Yes, God, you love me. You love me uniquely. You love me deeply. Even when I don't understand the circumstances that I'm going through, I know that you love me. See, guys, we can't afford to remain content with an intellectual knowledge. We can't afford to remain there. If you're talking about love, it has to be an experience. How many of you would be just content by having just a head knowledge of somebody loving you? Head knowledge is not enough. It has to change our experience. It has changed our reality. Receive his love today, guys. People receive his love today in the gift that he gave. That gift is a person and his name is Jesus. Romans 8 was the last two verses say like this. There's nothing in heaven on earth. There's no angel, no demon. There's no power that can ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. See, only if you understand what God has done in the person of Jesus, when he gave us Jesus, can we understand his love, guys. He gave us everything that he had. He made a willful choice. He gave us from his substance. He gave us lavishly. He gave us tirelessly without taking a break and he gives us freely question is are you willing to receive are you willing to receive his love that is already available to you in the person of jesus receive in love may god bless you